To Hell with the Hot Dish represents the opinions and musings of three not overly intelligent pastors working to challenge a church long defined by a cliché casserole culture. The thoughts expressed here are their own and not necessarily the thoughts of any larger institution. So feel free to find your seat, stow all expectations for answers in the overhead compartment, and join us on this misguided adventure. This is To Hell with the Hot Dish. misguided adventure that we have affectionately titled To Hell with the Hot Dish. I'm Alex out of Cincinnati. And I'm Lorne originally out of Cincinnati, Ohio, before oh. Alex was ever out of Cincinnati. The OG. Oh, I see. <laughs> the OG. The OG of Cincinnati. OG. OG of Cincy. And I'm Who Kyle out of Fort Worth, Texas. Oh, Kyle, Texas. Right. So we got Two Cincinnati's in a Texas and one Cincinnati that just feels like he's better than everybody because he's been here like three years longer. Like, I don't care, Lauren. You don't threaten me. Listen, I've been here <laughs> maybe four years longer than you, but oh, that counts for something, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Wow. What a hero. Um, Alex is not I, I afraid. I don't know if you know I'm me, kidding. but I've been everywhere, man. I've been where Kyle been. I've been to where you never been. North Dakota. I'm from Florida. I'm global. So guff <laughs> me, man. <laughs> I'm global, internationally known. Alex Hoops, booyah. That's me. Internationally known. Well, hey, thanks for tuning in to uh, another episode of To Hell with the Hot Dish. I think this will be episode 92. Good Lord. 92. Really? So, wow. Yes, 92 At 92, episodes. I want to say we're real heroes for one. And also, I'm sorry for, I'm sure, 40 clunkers. You know, and I mean? you know what? Ninety-two <laughs> episodes in ninety-two episodes of a podcast. I think podcast episodes are like dog years. They actually count for like seven years. Oh we're gosh. like ancient. We're real. Yeah. We're real fixtures in this digital age, aren't we? Amazing to think about. I need to do some research and find out how many more podcasts are in existence now versus when we started. I bet you the numbers oh. in the thousands. We're probably the equivalent of like part of the podcast boom. You know, like I'm sure a lot yeah. came out. No, we totally are. And there's probably a podcast out there that we don't even know about that is critiquing wh- why our podcast sucks. Oh, I guarantee. <laughs> like that's the state of podcasts now. There's a podcast about podcasts. That was a new podcast I was about. thinking about making, which is the podcast about how I'm over this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> I like what we do here. Tell with the hot dish is fun. And it's taken on a few forms since its since its inception. So for those of you who are listening for the first time, and that might be a thing because we're preparing next week. Right now, it's a week from when we will be showing up in Houston for the LCA Youth Gathering, which is really exciting. Yeah, we're coming to Kyle's neck of the woods, Texas. Come on down. 35, yep. 30 to 35,000 high school youth. Y'all are going to be gathered in the city of Houston and we're going to be having a good time and we're going to be there to meet you. 
yes. in the interactive center. And maybe you're tuning in and this is your first episode and you found out about our podcast because you met one of us or maybe all three of us in the interactive center. If we met you like today or yesterday or the day before, hi. Hey, hi. good to see you again. <laughs> good to see you again. That's right. Yeah, you. I remember you. You, I remember you, you made you were such really, an impact. You were the awesome one. I talked. Oh, that the awesome one. Yes, in the in the colorful T-shirt. Remember? In the colorful, <laughs> and you had a lot of silicone wrist bands there a lot on of, your wrist. Yeah, you had a thing on your wrist, and like you were. With and right you now, some clothespins on you, maybe clothespins right. on your stuff. You had clothespins on, That's and right now you're thinking, oh my gosh, how do they remember me? Oh, well, how, how do we? we do how it? could we? How could we forget? Because we're pastors, <laughs> and we're so thoughtful like that. Yeah, we're so, we've never yeah. forgotten the name of anybody. You insert name of child here, Jonathan, <laughs> our producer. But if you are tuning in for the first time, welcome. This is our podcast. This is our show. Uh, Pastor Kyle out of Texas, Alex, and I are out of Ohio. We're three pastors, friends, colleagues. And we just get together on this show and have conversations about things happening in the world, in our churches, in our own personal lives. We just want to get together and have a dialogue and hopefully help move the church beyond a, a cliche culture and have just honest conversation. And so, guys, uh, there's a lot going on in the world today. There's a lot going on in the world in the last few weeks. Lordy, lordy. Yes. Oh, yeah. Especially, it's very it's very serendipitous, too, as the stuff we're talking about. Like, I don't know about you, just talking to people on Sunday when they came in, the amount of conversations I had about the news cycle, um, especially because I think it was Father's Day weekend, especially about, like, the immigration policies, the, the zero tolerance policies, the way that um, we're, we're having to separate kids from their parents because they're going to be tried for all the, for even misdemeanors. It was it was a wild Sunday. Anybody else have that? People coming in just going, "Yo, what are we gonna do about what? Are, how do we respond to this faithfully?" Anybody else have that? Yeah, I mean, um, I think it was on a lot of people's minds, and I certainly had a few conversations with people about, you know, obviously what Alex is referring to is the whole immigration policy of the United States right now, and how families that are seeking asylum um, coming across the U.S. border are being tried, you know, criminally instead of civilly and how that's separating families. And it's a super complicated issue, but it's actually a, a, a simple, horrible problem that's happening here where families are being separated, sometimes for hours, sometimes for days or weeks or months, depending mm -hmm. on the case and mm -hmm. how this is just really taken off in, in the news. And obviously, um, you know, the, the government has has their answers for it, but there's a lot of fighting and a lot of commentary on the news. And it, it took over my social media feeds. I don't know about you guys, yeah. but it, it seems to be all that I could, you know, everyone was talking about online this last week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it's such yeah. a clear, it's such a clear, like, ex example of anti-gospel. Nothing about this is good news. Nothing about it is good news. Kyle, I imagine in Texas has been hearing it in a big way, Kyle. Yeah. I mean, we, I was shocked, uh, just the other day watching one of the news feeds and was talking about a, a place in McAllen, which is I mean, where we, we usually go somewhere down there. Last year we were doing a mission trip in that area and thinking about, and I have, you know, those of you who've been listening know I have three boys and three young boys in my house and thinking about being separated. And it was like you said, it was on Father's Day. And it just I understand it's a, a lot of people and we all I think we're in some sense looking for some kind of answers or guidance to way to talk through this. 
because we know it's a difficult thing and and we know it's a messy thing. But we also look at this and go, you know, as a human, this is not right. And and I and I, I guess I'm also struck, too, by the way that people are trying to insert God in, into this conversation or insert the Bible, God's language into this. Right. And I'm, I'm, that was I'm in, bonkers. I'm kind of troubled by that i mean i guess yep. it's a good thing that you're trying to figure out what would god say but i really think this is that is not doing a, a sufficient job of talking about what god would do and I, I so we're struggling with that have you ever heard something with so many denominations at the same time going like yo not acceptable not in the heart yeah. of of what jesus was talking about this i mean it's so demonstrably not good news and the way that some people say listen it's tough but Romans 13, got to keep the law. The law is oh good. And like, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. It doesn't, whoa, 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 whoa. This is wild. Like, it, there are there are bad laws. There's a chance you're tuning in and, and you're, you're, you're picking up the conversation, but you might not have all the, the pieces. What this is referring to is um, the attorney general quoted from Romans chapter 13 about how it's uh, the Bible says that that uh, we're supposed to obey the law and he used that that text to talk about what's happening with separating families right now yeah um, that that this is the law of the land and it's biblical to just obey the law and and obviously that incensed um, scores and scores of people many of whom are Christians and people of faith um, who who were very upset with that, that, that scripture was being used to say, well, you just have to obey every law and that's biblical. That's what God wants you to do. Right. And, and obviously, if you have a full reading of Romans chapter 13, you would probably actually uh, come out with a very different, um, you, you would get a very different meaning out of that than, than what was quoted. But, you know, it's interesting. I, I you know, the same passage was used by people that uh, were were uh, champions of slavery to say, well, it's you just have to obey the law. That's that's biblical, and the law <laughs> is it's okay to have yeah. slaves. And yeah. and and the, the the thing that's really upset me too is what happened to separation of church and state right. too, yeah. like which is a principle that I believe in. I think that's healthy for our democracy. It's mm-hmm. healthy for our government. But here, you know, scripture is being used by people in high offices of government to try to back up a policy or try to spiritualize something. And obviously the, the firestorm just took off all over Twitter and Facebook and social media and in the halls of Congress and people are calling representatives. That's what I heard a lot of my people say they did is that they were on the phone that morning with their local Local representatives, state representatives, uh, senators, and they were just leaving voicemails, sending emails, you know, but it's hard to know what to do to really affect policy change. That's I think I heard the same thing was I mean, it was it was a similar conversation, just like how on earth have we come to this being like defensible and what do we do? Like, I think there's a there's a sense of like hopelessness in that expression of like, wait a minute, these are people that I would that I would say we ha- we share so many things because we share the same faith. We share the same beliefs, I thought. And somehow this could be seen as okay because I think that's the saddest part is the response to something that's demonstrably so unfortunate is being referred to as like, yeah, well, like them's the breaks. That's the rule and that's okay. And I say, you know, like it's, it's the weird troll mentality, the tribalism of like, yeah, well, What's the what's the new one we're hearing this morning? The number one thing is, oh, if you don't like it so much, why don't you say that to Obama? Because that was a rule then, too. And they're like, what? OK, are we agreeing then that this is bad or are you using that as a defense to keep doing it? Because if we can agree that this doesn't work and this is bad, we should all do something because the the traumatic effect on people is 
it's permanent, man. Like, this yeah. is a bad thing. So why do we... I, well, I think that's what I'm getting at is like, we are well, so good at saying what's so bad, but like, we can't work together for something better, please. Like, let's well, do something. I, and and I, th- I think we have to remember, too, that it's not, I, I, I don't know, I could, I could say that I'm not sure it's a whole lot worse now than it's ever been. I, I, I mean, I know that this you know, this separation of families might be a newer thing, but these have been problems we have had to deal with as a society. And certainly living here in Texas, this is something that we face and talk about a whole lot. And we still, we haven't found any common ground on that. I think we have to talk about it or have to deal with it in different ways. It's a very complex issue. And I think, you know, we, we've been debating and talking about it for a long time and different leaders throughout all of no matter who the president is, has been debating how to make this happen, and we haven't been able to agree on it. Everything that I've read said that this has been a a policy of the United States for about 10 years, Um, but the change has happened since the the new administration has taken over that the family seeking asylum, anyone bringing a a child with them, a family unit, um, is immediately then tried or marked as a criminal case instead of a civil case. So it's been a law for 10 years, but the change has been in which way they they prosecute or they they handle these cases of people seeking asylum or coming across the border. And so they've said, we're going to have a tough stance on on immigration and, and border crossing. And so the tough stance has been to charge everyone criminally, which under that law, then families are separated. Um, and so that's the chain. That's what's been different sure. under this administration as opposed to past. But this is how things happen, too. Right. Like they get attention. They, they get media. It's in our face. And then dialogue happens. But then, you know, there's no doubt that the whole system of immigration, Democrats and Republicans right. and independents, people all over the political spectrum, have an agreement generally that that the immigration system and process is broken in our country. Yeah, uh, we've heard uh, different presidents, you know, say something to that effect. But 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 the thing that baffles me too is that we can't ever seem to to move the needle to take the ball down the field right. and affecting right. change because people are so entrenched in mm-hmm. their camp of exactly what they want to happen that there's no more dialogue there's no more moving the needle and it's really painful for people because these are real human lives these are real people these are real Mm -hmm. children and Mm -hmm. real men and women and they have real stories and and i'm not the judge of every one of those stories i don't know these individuals coming across the border um i don't know what they've faced what they've gone through the hardship the struggle the you know and maybe there are some that are coming across that have bad intent but 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 I'm led to believe that the vast majority of people are fleeing from something right. that is horrendous, horrible, mm-hmm. that they've suffered. And they're coming for the hope of seeking asylum or seeking, you know, it's it's a complicated, messy situation. But what Roger said right there is so, is so important for us to hear that in terms of a faith response. You don't know who's coming in. You don't know. You know, like, and how many of us do? Uh, but the reality is, is we have immigrant populations, migrant populations all over the country that we're just not around sometimes. And if you're not, then you don't have like skin in the game. How do we as Christians, uh, I think when Jesus talks about like the stranger, when God talked about the alien in the in like the Old Testament, there was, they were amongst you and they stood out, 
but you still lived in community with them. And the responsibility was this, like, how do you welcome them in? How do you care for them? How do you make sure that they don't feel as if they are they they are somewhere else? How do you show them the blessings of your God? That's really, I wonder about the, where is our faith response that takes us from, like, first things first, my most highest priority is these national pieces versus like your identity as a child of God, like a, a reflection of, of Jesus Christ. If we're not with our neighbor, then I have a sneaking suspicion we're not going to defend our neighbor. If we're not like spending time and investing in the stranger, then I have a sneaking suspicion we're going to be afraid of the stranger. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how are we pushing ourselves to take courage? Because I think that's the faith response that's bumming me out the most about this is there is nothing about being a follower of Jesus that is safe except who you are and God's final promise for you, which is love. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, Mm -hmm. though, it's almost a guaranteed challenge a guaranteed struggle. It's forgiving your enemies. It's how, 70 times it says, don't be afraid in the Bible. Like 70 right. sometimes God says that. And when you look at what follows that, it's usually don't be afraid and also stand firm Whoa. or don't be afraid because I'm giving you this. It's all about courage. And all I hear in this is us wrestling with faith and fear, faith and fear. No, sure, I believe you should welcome the stranger. But you know what? I'm scared crapless, and I can't be scared anymore, dang it. So faith be damned. My faithful responsibilities but be damned. I, I have to put my fear first. And I, I just struggle with how do we put God's plan before our self? That's, that's right. my big bug. Well, and I, I hear you. I, I think that's some of what I, you know, I think our hopes for what we can do with this uh, podcast and with this way of, of discussion is I think before we can get through or break through any of those fears is to have conversation, <sighs> to talk with one another, to hear different sides, to wrestle with questions in an honest way and to stay at the table together. Right. Um, right. And, and to hear from people with different experiences until we've experienced that or had that conversation, then I can't break down any thoughts that I've just always had in my head that I just can't get through. Right. This is a, an experiment kind of getting getting it out there and saying, let's talk a little bit more deeply about that or ask those hard questions and, and, and say faith for- should be more. And then faith. I don't think until you get to that point, then I think fear can start to subside after you've done some of that work though yeah, I, it that's takes just courage the way i to think engage it in it it takes courage to engage in it and also know that there needs to be a dialogue too where we can speak frankly to each other without it being some like attack on yourself like i do think if as 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 talking to another disciple someone who you believe you're on mission with and someone starts saying some heinous like honestly like misguided propaganda and say something terrible about the stranger to just speak from a place of fear I think we should be able to say to each other in love, like, do you hear what you're saying about creation, about another person? I'm going to I'm going to hold you to that because we need to be in dialogue. But I think we also need to be like able to be honest with each other. When someone says I'm out of line, I'm going to say, "Okay, help me understand. Not I'm out of line. You're out of line. You know, like if someone says I'm just so misguided, I always ask the same question. Teach me then. Show me, Mm -hmm. show me where Jesus is really, really first and foremost telling me I need to look out for me, numero uno, 
first or my kids versus their kids. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. help me when you can do that. Golly, help me. Teach me. This is the thing that I think, Alex, you were mentioning earlier, and I think, Kyle, you've reflected on, too, that is something that I think we're facing in the church today in 2018, right, is that Christianity in America, we've talked about this a lot on this show, but Christianity in America and in the Western culture for centuries has been very comfortable. It's been the norm. Yep. It's been it's been the center of society. And and what we're experiencing here is how the gospel of Jesus, as revealed through Scripture, the stories we have through the gospels, the stories through the rest of the New Testament of Paul and and the early apostles, they were all countercultural to the main narrative of the time. You know, right. Jesus was crucified. He, he yes. was a rebel. He was crucified right. by the state and the and the faith community. Um, and the reality is the early church was a countercultural and they, they uh, group of people and they had a countercultural narrative and story that they were living into. And it wasn't popular. And one of the things we're facing today, I think, is that we as as Americans, North Americans, we, we have so many competing narratives that want to be the dominant narrative of our life, right? And mm-hmm. they're all blended together in one big pot of soup, so to speak. Um, you know, I've got my American patriotism. I've got, I'm from the state of Ohio, I'm from the state of Texas. I've got this culture, this neighborhood, this high school I went to, this college I went to. We have all these forces of enculturation all swirling around, and our faith is mixed into that somehow. But I think the challenge I feel, the challenge I feel most is that I want the primary dominant narrative to define my life to be that of the gospel of Jesus. And I'm keenly aware that I'm a work in progress. Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not a great disciple most of the time. Like I fail miserably. Um, But in my heart of hearts, you know, Jesus is clear on a lot of these issues that we're facing. And I think what Alex is saying is, you know, it's either a voice of faith or it's a voice of fear. Like, if I really try to think, how would Jesus respond to this? I'm usually convicted because because I know that I'm often listening to a voice of fear inside of me or I'm Mm -hmm. listening to the voice of, well— but it's complicated, right? I find myself saying that a lot. Well, it's complicated, and it is. There's no doubt about it. We live in a real world with complicated issues, people on a lot of sides of things. But I just think Jesus. it wouldn't be complicated for Jesus. Well, and, and that's what convicts me. <laughs> what is that Brueggemann? Did you guys see that Brueggemann quote going around recently? The, the crisis in the U.S. church has nothing to do with being liberal or conservative. Did you guys see that one? Yeah, no. it, says, yeah. it has everything to do with giving up on faith and discipline of our Christian baptism and settling instead for a common generic U.S. identity that is part patriotism, part consumerism, part violence and part affluence. All mm-hmm. those things, affluence, it's our, it's all of our possessions, right? It's our wealth, mm-hmm. part violence, mm-hmm. the willing to hurt one another almost always to just make sure no one comes near you. Part consumerism, to make sure no one takes my stuff. Part patriotism, to make sure no one can claim their identity other than me in the lottery of my birth, which was these great United States of America. Again, I love my country, but like the fact that we put a fear on that, like, hey, you're going to ruin my identity and my nation by bringing your ideas to it. It's totally giving up on a life whose identity is rooted in their faith 
and our hope of imitating Jesus, which I thought is what this whole thing was about. Our baptism is we're going to try to imitate Jesus, but we're just so caught up in the fear. You know, the fear is it's it's crushing. And I think that's why the number one call we can make is take courage, take courage that what Jesus says is true, that our neighbor and our brothers really are our responsibility. They are. And for the sake of the world, they need to remain our responsibility because they they need it. They deserve it. They're worthy of it. Here's part of the challenge I see, too. Like, we're very much talking about a big issue on a national level, global level, really, because it's not just the United States. It's other countries from Central America and, and other countries. We're talking about, you know, the, the struggle between living out our Christian identity, our Christian baptism on a, on a global national level. Right. But I wonder, like, that was a struggle for me, too, when I was in high school. I wasn't thinking on a global or national level. I was very much thinking about the lunchroom and my soccer team Mm -hmm. and the halls of the high school. And I always had this sense inside of me that that Jesus wanted me to, like, love all the students in my school. Like, Jesus Mm -hmm. would totally be sitting at that table and include these people. And, like, Jesus was always giving and self-sacrificial. But I was also marinating in the culture of— Reynoldsburg High School where I wanted to fit in and I wanted to just hang out with the soccer guys and I wanted to like I think we think about these things on national levels but they happen within junior highs and high schools and certain neighborhoods like mm-hmm. we're always sort of swimming around in like what what's the primary story that's going to define our life right mm-hmm. um because every high school has five or six different stories happening at one time right mm-hmm. who's popular who's not who's a good kid who's a bad kid how are we defining that like who do you want to associate with our own communities like where my church is planted is in you know middle class to upper middle class suburbia. But there's a lot of different communities within this zip code. Right. You know, yeah. um, there's a lot of there's apartment communities. There's half a million dollar houses. There's, you know, and 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 how do those communities define people's narratives and stories and the values? I, I think it's a challenge to live out your faith no matter where you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's one of the things that is is helpful uh, about this conversation to also to remember that like you know if you're to to realize that the church is diverse filled with people from all places and walks of life trying trying to live out their faith in the con like you said Lauren in whatever context you find yourself whether you be in high school or an adult or wherever you are and that the church should not um sit the the church should we got to continue the conversation we have to continue to be challenging ourselves we have to be a little more uncomfortable so that we can so we can find out how we're going to meet how faith and life are going to intersect right that being in the church doesn't mean all the answers are handed to us i mean we can follow the example of jesus but it doesn't make us off the hook where we 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 have to be in conversation with one another because we have to do life together or else we end up killing each other which is not what we want but it's what happens in this world right that the church has we have to be challenged to get off of our butts and 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 whatever way that is for you to live it out the church should challenge and wrestle with you and i think that's important to remember that wherever you are in that the church will wrestle with you and I, i mean that's part of what uh, I think our commitment is to as, as, as pastors and as people of faith that we're going to wrestle and challenge us to get better in whatever context you're, you're, 
you're living. And in my context, I think like, I think the young people, I, I think the 16 year olds, 17 year olds, 18 year olds in my congregation, they're some of the best people about starting yeah. conversations. Right. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I can yeah. think of very specific people and I would love to shout out their names right now, but I won't embarrass them that are awesome at starting conversations about these things. Whereas, you know, a lot of adults, sometimes quote unquote adults, we sometimes, you, you know, for the sake of political correctness or not wanting to get into a heated conversation, we tiptoe around it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we need more of that just open dialogue. Like, Hey, can we talk about this? That's current. Let me let me disagree with you in a in a loving Christian way, but let's right. actually have the dialogue. I think mm-hmm. that's a profound point, Kyle. And that's mm-hmm. courage. I think that's again that like though it though it is a, something that gives you fear to talk about something that maybe someone will disagree with. I mean, really, courage is this like it's it's knowing it's worth it for the sake of the thing, which is all, which I hope is about our neighbors, which I hope is about how if we're going to take courage. Here's a little pro tip, folks. If you're ever wondering if God's going to be grumpy about you stirring the pot, my guess is if you stir the pot regarding the health and safety of children, I'm pretty sure God's going to be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't be afraid. You should talk about the health and safety of children. Lordy, lordy, babies, man. Like, think about it that way. I mean, do we have the courage? And I think instead of just for ourselves, the courage to step up for someone else. To, to advocate for our neighbor, to, to advocate for someone who who doesn't have a voice right now, you know, who who in, in this moment, something's been uttered, something's been expressed that we're going to go, you know what? It's time for us to have courage to say, I wonder what God's calling us to. Where is God at work in here calling us to take a risk, to take courage? Because the good news is worth it. So mm. pro tip again, if it's about the health and safety of babies, Jesus usually loves when you advocate for people who are vulnerable. Go team. Well, you know, it, it make, makes me think back to, you know, over two years ago, one of our first episodes we did, which you guys can go back and listen to five signs. You're living in a hot dish culture, kind of off the name of our podcast to hell with a hot dish. Uh, we, we've kind of said in the past, you know, the hot dish culture to us is sort of the cliche casserole Christian culture. And in a hot dish culture in that episode, we said, it's not really what you want to aim for. But one of the signs we lifted up in that episode that you might be living in a hot dish culture is if you're deathly afraid of conflict, if you think conflict is a bad thing. Now, there's certainly yeah. toxic conflict yeah. and nobody enjoys conflict. Sure. But having open dialogue where people disagree and they can um, chew on an issue and they can they can do that in a healthy way is actually a sign of a thriving church. Um, it's the sign of a thriving yeah. youth group. W- one of the things that I think we can all ex- we've all experienced at different points in our life is when we're together in a community and we have a sense of unity, but our unity is based off of just this this layer, this blanket of quietness around disagreement. So we act like we're all oh, together. Yeah, we act like yeah. everything is fine. But really, if we really had the real conversation, you'd be like, yeah, but we know we have major disagreement here. Um our unity, and, and I, I th- th- this is like a, something that I say all the time, you know, our unity first and foremost as Christian people is in our shared need for Jesus. You know, our unity is always yeah. rooted mm-hmm. and grounded in the fact that we mm-hmm. all need a Savior. We need Jesus. Our unity mm-hmm. isn't in our total agreement because the church has never agreed about everything. 
And so conflict and dialogue and discussion, whether it's in your youth group, whether it's in, you know, a Bible study, whether it's in Sunday school, whether it's at home with your parents or with your children, dialogue and disagreement, that's a part of the divine dance of doing the work right. of theology, right. of doing the work of figuring out what does it mean to be a disciple, to follow Jesus. If you're not having right. those real conversations, then I would argue you're probably not growing at the rate that you could because you grow through pain. You grow through struggle. Exactly. Yeah. And isn't that the, isn't that the incub, the great incubator the church can be for then how we can model that even outside the church? Like work in our, in our uh, church context to then go ahead. Yeah. And to practice. So then when we're out in the workforce or we're in politics, we're in a community discussion later on, we can, we can have practice that in church and how do we, you know, be in disagreement, but yet love each other, love one another in the midst of that disagreement, right? Yeah, because I mean, like, and we practice that really well here. As Kyle has said, the very off color and just despicable thing about Cadbury eggs being the best Easter candy, which we know is disgusting and wrong there's, of him. But I'm still in dialogue with him. There's not even a debate him, about it. There's even not though even a debate about it. Well, just be, even though he's just sickly wrong, like just a really repulsive <laughs> thing to say when Reese's eggs exist. Lauren didn't get in on this, but I'm sure Lauren will back me up because he's not crazy. So, uh, yeah, we're still in dialogue, even though Kyle's a sick Sick person. So I, lo- I love you anyways, Kyle. I love you. So I love you too, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we can All agree right. to well, disagree. I, 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 I'm grateful to be uh, chatting with you guys again for uh, another installment of To Hell With The Hot Dish. Hey, if you're listening to us for the first time, love you. Rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't. Uh, subscribe yeah, to If you us. have a question that, that you would like us to toss around or maybe consider to talk about on an episode, visit our website to hellwiththehotdish.com and you can get in touch with us there. Give us ideas for the show. Or share it on Facebook or something. And come visit us at the ELCA Youth Gathering. And if you're listening to this beforehand or if you're listening to this while you're there, come stop by, chat with us and, and share some Where questions are we? with We're us. Gonna be June, yeah, June 28th, 29th, and 30th, we are going to be in the inner Interactive Center at the uh, ELCA Youth Gathering in Houston, Texas. So if you're there right now and you're listening, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm in Houston. Oh my goodness, I'm at the Youth Gathering. Right. Oh Come my goodness, I'm listening to the Hell with a Hot Dish while I'm walking through the Interactive Center just because it's my favorite podcast and I can't miss an episode. Look for our Ooh. table. We're right by I'll the be. entrance. We're right behind Mini Golf. It's going to be amazing. We're going to be easy to find. I'm going to be dressed like an old-timey we'll be golfer. Doing yeah, we'll be doing some live uh, recordings there, and if you come on down, maybe you'll uh, you can get Drop to hear your episode. voice on the air. That'll be amazing on the on the fake internet radio waves. Internet radio. <laughs> well, folks, I think that's a wrap. Well, thanks today. for listening. Yeah, we're so glad you listened. Uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you later. And as always, uh, to hell with the hot dish. To hell with the hot dish. To hell with the hot dish. Bye. We we love you.